What's up, everybody? This is the I Get Buckets podcast. Thanks for listening. My name is Simon and I am your host as always. And it's an absolute pleasure to be back with you, tuning out another in the series of fantasy podcasts, recapping every pig taken in the I Get Buckets league from one to 150, going through all the teams up to team number nine here. So we're very close to finishing and putting a, a bit of a bow on what is the draft for season 22-23. And it couldn't come any sooner given that we've only got a couple of nights until real NBA basketball is upon us. So we've been counting down the days every um, podcast and kind of ticking on and it's actually here. It's on our doorsteps. I'm sure everyone's excited to get their actual teams on the court and see what they look like and see if all those regretful decisions turn into positive ones and maybe one of those ones that you felt really good at about kind of turning into to, to not so good. But um, yeah, it's been a great weekend. I hope everyone's been enjoying the other ones. We're on a Sunday night now, so um, trying to get them done. Had a few beers earlier at lunch, so maybe this one will feel a little bit more kind of flowy. Maybe the hot takes will stay from what we did in podcast number eight, but um, I'm really excited to get in to this team for a number of reasons, but I reckon, you know, there's a couple of picks here that really kind of translate as, as some of the best ones that we've seen in the whole draft. And I reckon, you know, a real danger team um, for Cage You Look, beautiful new name. I love it <laughs> coming up here. Um, maybe some picks I'm not as, you know, thrilled on as well, but ones that really stand out. A few of the other teams, I think, um, it's been either good or bad, but I've seen the risk there and kind of. Um, know where it's going and it's hard to be, you know, super hot or cold on it. But I think this one, it's easier to be um, really forthcoming in what my best pick is and maybe what my worst pick is and and where it's going to go. Heaps of, you know, question marks still, that's for sure, Um, as we have with every single team. It wouldn't be worth, you know, um, doing all this fantasy if we gave out the trophy after you draft. But um, a one that we're going to take a lot of pleasure and a lot of thoughts, I think, especially up the top end of this draft would be good. So, um, yeah, every now and then taking a pause, having a bit of a drink, having fun with this one, probably having fun with the the last two podcasts, yeah, which would be good. But um, first round, pick number nine, same pick that he had last year, um, last year going with Jason Tatum um, up the top, but already off the board here, and he goes with the one and only um, LeBron James, which is a very, um, a, a guy, he's pushed back into the top 10. So it's been a few years removed, I think, from LeBron, who has been, you know, this ultimate, you know, first, second or third pick, you know, in the first six or seven years that we played NBA fantasy to the point where he was always a an early second round that seemed to give people a huge amount of value. Um, and the only reason he's kind of slipped uh, to this early second round was because of injury. But this is another season we're coming off, um, you know, uh, a season where LeBron, you know, wasn't, you know, the beacon of health. He missed a few games, but when you had a, a season of a 37 average, um, you kind of start to forget a little bit of, of the injury stuff. And it was a bit of a train wreck, and that's probably stating the obvious last season with, with the Lakers and how they went. But um, I think it's weird how the Russell Westbrook experiment has kind of shifted and my thoughts were obviously not aligned with how that was going to pan out last year and, and how he was going to go. But very early, it was LeBron's team still, you know, and it was always LeBron's team. But in in a way, it's like, oh, no, nothing's going to change in terms of the way I play basketball and the way I dominate kind of um, 
the handle and the direction and, and everything that kind of goes when I, I get down, you know, downhill. And I think he averaged the most points he has in terms of pure points, not fantasy points since like the, the 16, 17 season. Um, but he's, you know, his assists were down a little bit. I think what we saw last year, people would have come into this draft with an asterisk saying, okay, well, he was one of the most dominant players we had in fantasy with the 37 average last year. You know, that's more than your Luka Doncic and in that real kind of um, top four um, prism of, of, of what can be done on, on the floor. And it's just, okay, well, the Lakers have him at day-to-day, bloody every single game. So that's something you're going to have to get used to. That, that He's always on the injury report. But, you know, he's still consistently playing, you know, enough because he's this, you know, temple to the guy's kind of person and how he treats his body and everything that he does has proven that, you know, let's kind of throw age out a little bit. You know, he's up in the, you know, the top three, I think, eldest players in the, in the league. But we're three years removed now from people saying, oh, well, it's going to kind of have to um, recede to the mean a little bit in terms of what he does. But we know, you know, there's a reason why he's arguably, you know, the best player ever to have lived if not the second blessed, obviously, um, behind MJ. And it's because um, he's no, he doesn't seem like he's slowing down. And while we've got a lot of question marks with LeBron's Lakers going forward, I feel like last season is, you know, going to be the same. I don't, I'm, I've gone the opposite in terms of now betting down on LeBron. And while I didn't have him, this high. I had him again as an early second rounder just because of some of the injury stuff. I will kind of be with the the view that when it comes to injury for someone who dominates so hard that you can afford to factor it in because it's not like when he's injured, you're getting zeros. You've, we've got IR for a reason. You replicate um, that, um, that missed kind of 37 with the run, hopefully, you know, with a 15 to 17. So, you know, that's the the deficit you get when he's out. You don't go to this net zero of him missing because it feels like, you know, LeBron misses his extended kind of, you know, weeks when he's out and you can put him on the IR. While he's day-to-day always, he doesn't really seem to have as much of the rest and the niggles that some of the other people have had. When that kind of comes into his game a little bit more, um, I'd be a little bit more worrisome. Um, Yeah, I I think there's a little bit to be said about how old he is, but I've, I think, you know, we've, we've gone past where I feel you can kind of really bet on everything that's going to be LeBron James in his 37 average last year. The whole Westbrook thing, um, you know, regardless of, of what you kind of think to him, I think they have a different approach to how they're going to handle it this year, um, and it's in line with <laughs> what going to happen last year, but a lot cleaner with um, Devin Ham coming in as coach, and I think everyone kind of, is on, I think, relatively the same page or more of, of what it is to given what happened last year and the, the failures of the Lakers. And I do think, you know, they're in the same page as Brooklyn as w- there's a real kind of um, variant to their, their best and their worst this season. But I would hitch my, you know, my trailer to a LeBron James at pick nine if he kind of falls to me. Um, you know, I did have him at 12, to be honest, there was a few people after LeBron that I think a lot more secure, um, but they they don't give you the thirty seven average that that he does. Um, so 
is this the year that we finally see him, you know, <laughs> look like a human being and not like a god? But um, I just I just think it's it's been too many years in a row that he's gone at 12 or 13 and he's been that team's best player by a long shot to to say that pick nine is, a, is an early for LeBron James. I'm just not going to do it. Um, but then moving to his next pick, and I think this is where it's got a little bit silly, the fact that uh, Kevin Durant has slipped to, to pick 12. So... Um, I was honestly thinking about taking Kevin Durant at five. I ended up having him at eight on my board, but knowing that the decision was, okay, do you want to go with youth and security and um, bank on you know, a high floor um, or do you want to go with someone who, if healthy, fits very comfortably in the conversation with the other players that have already gone in the draft um, up top? So, you know, I do think outside of LeBron maybe with the average, but even more so Kevin Durant is um, the elite fantasy um, player given um, if he's, you know, if he's healthy and on the court. And I think last year he had his knee injury that was a little bit, um, you know, freakish in terms of Bruce Bound getting pushed off, you know, screened into his leg. And it's not something that I think was, you know, in any way related to some of the other knee and, um, you know, obviously Achilles stuff that he's got. And I think, there's going to be a focus from Brooklyn to potentially give him more rest and reduce his minutes throughout the year. Um, but that's only if they're in a position to, to do so, I think. Um, and you've gone with Lakers and then with Brooklyn. And I've said these are the two teams that, you know, have the most variance um, across the season. But I do think even though their teams may be up and down, the what they're going to produce on the court is probably less <laughs> um, up and down because they're Kevin Durant, LeBron James, and they've been, you know, arguably the best two players over the whole course of, of us kind of drafting in fantasy. Um, and you've got them. I know, you know, it's 10 years on from when we started this, but at nine and at 12 where, you know, I think comfortably I would have been happy to take um, especially Kevin Durant at that five or six round um, if you really wanted to kind of bet on, me pushing together all my chips to the front and saying, well, the way I'm going to win this is to have a Kevin Durant season um, that is, you know, elite in back in what we've seen and MVP-like given, you know, what we know of him going and, you know, and staying on the court if he can be healthy. So I understand why people have kind of bumped him down. The whole trade request thing made me immediately kind of push him back um, because, there's a little bit of uncertainty, obviously, on, on where he goes and what's the role and his relationship with Steve Nash in the front office. But as soon as it kind of looked obvious that he's staying in Brooklyn, um, I, I you know, I did feel a lot more comfortable putting him back up um, on what he's going to do for, for the Nets moving forward. So to be honest, I think this is a, a bit of a steal at 12. I understand how it's kind of happened, but even looking at it again now, it's like, oh, wow, like it's coming together in a way that, um, if you can get someone of Kevin Durant's skill set <laughs> at 12, um, it look, it feels a bit unfair. It, it really kind of stands out as as a, a like a cornerstone of, of a winning team moving forward. So um, I, I, I just I think it was the first one when I looked through it that I'm like, oh Jesus, wow! Like Kevin Durant at 12 is is good, and and that's coming from obviously a net supporter, and I hope it's it is it is a good pick, but. There's question marks in terms of how we'll see. Um, next is he's gone kind of from two 
I guess, pieces that I've said have been around for 10 years to two pieces that are only just kind of scratching the surface on, on what they're going to be potentially for the next 10 years in our league. So his next pick at round three, he's gone at 39 for Anthony Edwards. So I can really get behind this. I think a lot of people had him at the same like time to go. Um, I'm not going to get like super kind of crazy about it. Um, there is a world where he kind of outperforms in a big way if you think he's you know, potentially Minnesota's best kind of player moving forward. It has a lot to do with Cat. Um, but, you know, I think the Gobert acquisition kind of shifts in terms of their thinking, in terms of their, them winning. And I think a lot of that has to do with how they view Anthony Edwards. And I think the, the you know, the talk around the league is that the, everyone kind of really feels like um, that's the, the way forward because Anthony Edwards is that good. So there has been a concern about, you know, his efficiency and his shooting. But I think... Especially, you know, with our change in the scoring into the negative 7.5. Like, he's got that dog in him that you really want out of this first-round player that you know is going to play high minutes, going to always be in the action. He's going to have the ball um, every time he's, you know, on the court. Um, he's just kind of being funneled with opportunities to get you fantasy points. And um, while, you know, it took me a little bit to get on board with with what I think he's he can be to, you know, a team in the playoffs... Um, I think, you know, we saw it coming together in terms of the attitude and the mindset um, and the big shots are going to come. I think, you know, it's one of those things like MJ in terms of quality, like you you can't hit the shots that you don't take. Um, or was it Wayne's Gretzky via Michael Scott? <laughs> um, and he's, he's building that and kind of getting into it. So um, I don't love the, you know, the, the ISO step backs all the time, but I think, you know, we know the athleticism of him kind of getting to the basket and he kind of stands out among a lot of the other the players at this point in terms of, you know, the time to get him. So I said 39. I did mean 29. He's been taking him and I had him at 21. I like it. And this will go twice in terms of what I'm saying now for Anthony Edwards and his next pick. Um but like I had both of these guys quite high in terms of my rankings and I liked, you know, their opportunity to step forward and, and be a lot better and kind of push their, their average up. Anthony Edwards, 23.1 last year, feels low compared to what I really think he can be this year. You know, I think he can push that um, that 27 mark and I wouldn't be shocked at all. But me having him at 21 on my board um, means that, you know, if – everything goes wrong he goes to me at 21 I'm not expecting to draft him at 21 I have him this you know high thinking I'm gonna hopefully maybe get him at that 25 26 um you know bracket um depending on where I've kind of positioned myself after the rumble and where I'm picking and who's been slipped so like I do think that he's got him at the right time I don't think it's late I think it's the right time and I'm really happy to kind of bank on someone like Anthony Edwards moving forward. The next one I think is a lot more interesting in terms of where you think we'd put him in the rankings, and that's Cade Cunningham. So he goes at 32. He's one that I thought I was really pushing high. Um, I had him at 34 on my board. And based on what I just said, I think, you know, 32 is early because 34 is where I had him thinking that, you know, I would be comfortable taking around that, you know, 38 to 40 mark, even hoping he might have slipped a little bit. People are not, you know, stupid these days. Everyone seems to be switched on. Everyone kind of has these, you know, young guys early expecting they're going to glow up. Um, so, you know, 
this is the same situation and Dobes is the first one to kind of really back in Cade Cunningham. It all kind of seemed to kind of come together a little bit last year and there was a couple of games I watched, especially one where he was dueling with Darius Garland late in a game and I was like, oh, okay, now I get it. You know, you hear the things and you, you know what they can do and you see it in like, you know, glimpses and highlights on Twitter and all that bullshit. But there was a moment in a couple of games that, okay, he's the number one pick in a draft that's, you know, stacked as shit because he can do all these things. Like the shooting was looking beautiful, but the ease and where he got to spots, the way he was kind of flattening out the defense and picking his spots and getting people involved when he needed to kind of be called on in a close game late, he was getting to the basket he was finishing over, you know, rim protectors. It was all like when we look at fantasy and say, well, who are these guys who um, are the really leader teams that I know are going to have the ball late, that, you know, stats are going to just be feeded into him just by existing because of his greatness. Um, Cade Cunningham hits that list. I don't know if he's really 100% there for the consistency over the season. You know, I do think they've got a lot of interesting pieces in, in Detroit and I love kind of, um, backing him in, um, I just I'd love to have had him a little bit later. Um, as you said, Darius Garland gets picked just after him. We we're just speaking about how they were dueling together, and it says, and and it did feel like Darius was that level ahead of him, just because he's been in the league a little bit longer, um, and we've had some of those moments there. So I, I I do think you know we've got a couple of steps to kind of come down the trail with Katie Cunningham, and I was a real believer of of how that's going to happen. And it will happen this year, but does it happen on a week-to-week basis that you know you're happy to to bet on him in round four? I I kind of love it still with like a the young twinge to the elder you know veterans up the top. But what I will say is, looking at the top four, I think I like it more than most teams. But there's pathways for it to go wrong quickly if a Duran or a LeBron you know gets injured, and then you've got these young you know two guys in round three and four who are probably then um, viewed to do more and relied on to do more on your team if they don't make the step that you've expected. So I think I've said it a few times, like it's okay to take these young guys, you know, early, but you're betting on them to already take a leap um, to to kind of get to that level of of where you've kind of risked it. Um, But in saying that, I don't think it's like a risk. I just think um, the quality of what you've still got left in this round um, is more bankable than what we've seen but I, I i kept couldn't move him up more um you know when i was doing my rankings i just you know i had him keeping keep going because it, it's real it's really real what um he's doing and um how he's going to be in detroit i think we're going to look back and have all these people from that rookie class that are amazing um and Kate's going to be a top of that list still with all of them so um yeah yeah, yeah. I'm like, it's 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 all kind of coming together a little bit for the team. Um, Jakob Pertl is another one that's probably uh, interesting. Again, I know I talked a lot about Kev, um, Calvin Johnson being the Spurs' best player. I think he is, but Jakob Pertl's probably the Spurs' most, you know, fantasy kind of best player. I said that last year and it burnt the shit out of me with DeAndre Murray. Um, but, I th- you know, he's the safe kind of guy. Where, where I had a little bit of struggle placing him this year was um, what they do with him long-term. They've got a few pieces down there that interest me, whether it's Isaiah Roby or Zach Collins and stuff. And um, maybe I need to double-check his, his, his contract, but I don't 
love sometimes picking guys who are, you know, best player on a team who are shit and you get someone like that, you know, on 55. It, it feels really good because, yeah, you've got potentially the best player on a team at 55. He averaged 24.8 last year. But when you put him, you know, next to the, the best guys on other teams and even the second best guy on other teams, it doesn't stack up in a way where he's that bankable star that I can really know for sure what his trajectory is across the whole season. Like, he's good enough because he's got the skills there, but a lot of his value comes from purely his role. And then as soon as that role kind of changes in any way, you really see the effect of of the drop potentially. And you've invested around five pick in a guy whose value I think is tied very much to his role. Um, But in saying that, you know, 24.8 last year, there's no talk at the moment that he's not going to be the same kind of role moving forward for the Spurs. But um, that's the spin on it. That's why, um, sorry, I had him at 55 and he's gone here at 49. So, yeah, I mean, that's 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 where he needed to go. Um, but, you know, buyer beware in a little bit. <laughs> um, yeah, moving forward. Fred Van Vliet, I think, is is really good here at, at 52. To be honest, I'm surprised he slipped this much. I know it's kind of stacked. There's a lot of guards that you, you really want to take. I had him at 44 on my board. Um, 52, I think, is really kind of safe, nice value for him to add. 24.6. I think, you know, Toronto are going to be, you know, good again. But he's really locked into his role, um, you know, at, at guard with Toronto. And I think it fits in neatly and nicely and, you know, it's been a bit of a drop given he had a great season um, from round two where he's drafted this year to round six. But um, maybe that's <laughs> a view of, you know, where he's kind of gone. But I do think pick somewhere in the middle and that was really where he was meant to go. So uh, a nice kind of add here um, for Dobes. And moving forward, one of those bigger breaks, obviously, because you pick nine. So, you know, we do go from pick 52 all the way down here to 69. Nice. Um, but KG Look picks Wendell Carter Jr. here. One that, based on last year, as Orlando's best fantasy player, again, adding these guys that are like um, late picks but potentially best players on their teams um, at 24.3 average. Obviously, it's more now about the emergence of um, Paolo and then potentially the progression as well down the line as Franz. Um, I think... It's hard for you to um, neglect what a, a solid average that was last year considering you think the the minute sacrifice comes elsewhere and not from, from Wendell Carter. It's more of a Mo Bamba um, thing where he might get pushed over to the center. But even though there's not a, a minute sacrifice, you think it's the, the, the shot attempt kind of sacrifice and the rebounding collectively that these stats potentially go down. So... You'd be betting on that they're not going down too much. Um, there's a lot that you know we saw last year. Like, oh, okay, here it is for Wendell Carter Jr. That's why um, you know he was picked early by the Bulls, and why a lot of teams in fantasy bet on him in these seven or eight rounds um, years previous, thinking there was going to be a leap. Um, but you know that comes back to, to what I've said in this part and others. Like, you know, people are, are betting on these players, thinking they're going to have a leap. Um, and it's finally calm, <laughs> but I feel better. You're better in here hoping that he's going to do what he did last year rather than, you know, reaching to, to assume this leap. Um, but 
there is a world where it really kind of relegates back and maybe we have this frustrating um, player that people owned, you know, the years previous. I do think he's turned the corner though and I think, you know, he got his money in and Orlando are kind of very comfortable with what he does and the rebounding will still be there um, and maybe he's looking at getting his offense from, you know, different ways rather than um, kind of getting his number called a little bit. But um, I think at 69, it's, it's, it's where he was going to go. Um, I think I had him at 66, so yeah, it's it's what it is. Less hot takey as we kind of go through, but it's hard when you, these guys get picked exactly where you were thinking they were going to go. I think Wendell kind of was a long list of guys that, yeah, if he was kind of at the top of your list when you came to, to your turn, you were pretty happy to add him at around seven or eight. So um, John Collins is more weird, in, like... Uh, I just find him hard because we, we know what he can do and we've had seasons of him churning out fantasy. But again, where does he fit in the Atlanta Hawks? Are they even going to be good this year? Um, he's been on the trade block. I think he's got his money. I think they they just don't think that they would have got the right value back him for a trade. At least that's what it seemed like. So they're happy to kind of hold on. But I'd never get super stoked about adding a guy in the team who for whatever reason, the actual team doesn't seem to, to value him at that highly. So I think, you know, 23 average last year was on the lower end of, of what he's done previously back when, you know, I think he was as high as a, a third-round pick um, a couple of seasons ago. Um, he didn't play as much last year as you'd, you'd hoped with, you know, issues and injury and stuff like that. Um, only, you know, 1,240 points total last year. Um, but, I mean... It's it's a it's it's a risky one that can go both ways, but I think you're assured enough that you know he fits in with what they're doing, and if he can get this pick and roll game with the Jonte Murray that he's been screaming out for from from Trey Young a little bit, I think you know it's a safe add. It's a it's not a complicated pick. I think here um, again maybe it's one of those ones where it was just at the top. He's got him. I'm gonna you know anything else I I say here is just kind of fodder and me padding it out. So um, I don't know why I bother anymore with John Collins. At, it is what it is, and we'll see how it comes in. May pay may pay off in a big way, but it may not. <laughs> um, going forward, Tyrus Maxey, I really um, think this is, again, a bit of a game-changer pick. I don't know why other people didn't pick him, myself included. Two rounds earlier, you know, I was really had a, a few people that I was, I was tossing up, um, and he was one of them. Ended up going in a different direction. Had him one after on my board than Tyler Hero at 60, so that means, you know, I had Tyrus Maxey at 61. I draft Hero and it comes back to me and I still don't pick him because I want to power forward. Um, and I think that's the regret of the draft for me. He was still there at bloody pick 89. He's exploding in preseason. I think we all kind of saw it, but I don't know why we didn't want to believe it because I feel like it's all kind of there. Um I do think this is going to pave its way to be a really, really good pick for him and it's super value. As I said, pick 99 and I had him at my board at 61. So um, that, that just that just tells you where I was in my mind with him and um, one of the, the things I'm a little bit confused on why I didn't go with him based on how far he slipped. I know why because um, Sadiq Bey is my boy and I, I, wanted, I didn't want another guard, but... Um, oh boy, I think he's going to cash in here, Dope. So I think that's great. Um, Jaron Jackson Jr., again, he's drafted him two years ago, I think he did, and he missed most of the season. Um, 
This is the third year in a row he's been like injured to start. Is that right? I think he missed some of the start last season too. Um, we get there, and I think round ten is a good pick if he's healthy. And if you if you listen to a lot of the stuff, he's not going to miss that much of the the season. But that much is is you know really kind of who knows what the fuck that means. Um, it could be two weeks, it could be two months. I I really don't know, and that just makes it really hard. Um, again, I'm not super against, especially if we have three IR to get a guy who's injured at the right time because you can bank him and take a little bit of a punt on the, the free agency wire early when there's a few, you know, interesting pieces out there to be had. Um, I had him at 84 with, a, you know, two asterisks on him <laughs> going check return date and you get the feeling with Jaron Jackson Jr. I was like, oh, I'm happy to take him when it gets to a round where someone's not staring me in the face. And this was probably around that time where there's a, a – a significant kind of drop off from from now. Okay, I'm I'm picking guys who may or may not be be really good at all. Um, so let's just get in a, a quality kind of player of an asset that I know what it's going to be when it comes up. He starts playing power forward. I think what we saw last year was probably not the leap that we we're hoping for in terms of this most improved kind of sleeper guy. Um, you know, he he bottomed out or he got you know his twenty point five average, which is. You know, not what I was, what you had been hoping for from a, a season kind of complete. Um, but this time, he does have that chance to kind of take a step forward. Um, I just do think, whether it's injury or whatever, um, I want to see it all together before we assume he's going to be the player that we're all kind of thinking, um, at least fantasy wise. Um, so I think he's going to be better than his average last year. I think it's probably a a pick that can really pay off, especially because of the quality he's got around him already. So he can kind of he put himself in the position to kind of stash him and come back. But I just don't think he's going to come back and set the world on fire. Um, but he will come back to do, you know, maybe give you round eight value at round 10, which is the name of the game and, and works really well still. So definitely still something that I can get behind. Um, Mikael Bridges, another one of the players I had last year that felt um, empty because he would just churn out these like 16 to 17 games in a row and then you know every now and then he'd go high he had an 18.6 average Dobes has taken him here at round 11 at pick 109 um I think it's good value because of a guy that you know will play as much you know of the season as he can um and really kind of be relied on to play that minutes given his defensive prowess I hope the scoring rumors about him doing a little bit more on offense is true because a lot of the stuff where his offense would come would be on backdoor cuts and corner threes. And when, you know, that doesn't kind of come together as much, you had long quarters and halves where he'd score, you know, four, six points, and that's about it. Um, I want more from him. I like the risk on taking him here. Um, I had him at 87. I think it's the right time to, to take him, but don't be surprised if he levels out with that real kind of average um, player again. <laughs> um, yeah. No, nah, you know, it, it's fine. Gary Trent Jr., another one that he had last year off the wave of wire, 18.2 last year. Um, he's taken him here at 118. Um, I had him at 86 on my board, so Yakum, you know, I, I like what he does for Toronto and I feel like I value him more than what his fantasy is and I do think Toronto are a little bit stacked with their options that he's going to get 
just this um, automatic value from what he got last year. But I think he's good enough that, you know, that can be replicated, especially, you know, his shooting's better than you think it is. He can do a little bit more with the ball than you thought um, based on what you saw in Portland in this, like, you know, splashy games kind of off the bench. He's a little bit more rounded than you'd think. He's a very good basketball player that I'd love to have on the Nets. Um, but I, I sometimes you're going to have games where this doesn't kind of show up on the box score as much, especially if he can't get himself into the counting numbers as much. And that's going to be, you know, the issue with some of these good-looking shooting guards that get taken around, you know, this time in the draft that, you know, they're going to have these good games of 25 points, but, you know, score your, you know, 23, 20 in fantasy because they don't do as much else as, as you know, other players. And um, it's hard to get that consistency, but I think it's a good time to take him. And I'm a, a big fan of him as a player. Um, I think it's it's kind of fine moving forward. Will Barton, I get the idea of it. It's a new team in Washington. You've taken him 129, so it's less risk. I couldn't get there all the way in terms of having him as someone that I really wanted to add, you know, if it's at the back end and I didn't have anyone else to kind of go to, I was happy to get him. But I think that's more because um, Will Barden, it felt like he kind of fit into the missing piece in Denver and was relied on to do more than he usually is. And we've had several years in a, you know, in a row that he kind of may not get drafted or get drafted late and playing his well into a really kind of solid role moving forward. Um, but with the new environment, I, I'm like a little bit concerned because I know they've got a lot of pieces in Washington and maybe he might slot in as, as a more reliable kind of guy. But at the small forward, I do think Denny Avdia, um, they, they want to see what he's got. Um, and whether it's Kyle Kuzma or Rui, I think that you know that backcourt kind of wing players that are a little bit um, full. So I'm not sure exactly what, you know, the pathway is moving forward, whether he's this sixth man that, you know, gets the ball a lot. I Like, I had him out of respect at 125, and I kind of put him there with Monty Morris, knowing, okay, here's two Wizards guys that are moving here that played well really last year that probably should get a, an opportunity at some point. So you can do a lot worse than getting to him on them on your list at the end. Um, but I had no real wants um, to actually kind of do it because I think there was other players that I'd rather kind of risk that will um, potentially not be as good as Will Barton, but there's much more visible scenario that they're going to be better than Will Barton, if that makes sense. So I think it's fine. I think you stick around on the team, but keep an eye on how the Wizards go early and what the hell the fuck they're doing um, to kind of see if he's 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 the piece that you want to kind of stick around. Um, but I mean, he's shown, you in, shown us in years past that he knows how to get it done. Um yeah, Lonzo Ball. We said at the time, um, he's he may miss a lot more than you'd think, and then days after it kind of came out, pretty much saying that exact thing, where there's reports now questioning whether he plays this season. Um, it's the second last round, so for someone, you know, who we've seen to be a you know a top ten round kind of fantasy guy previously, even early last season, outperforming where he got drafted, potentially in those kind of middle rounds. Um, as a real, you know, healthy addition to what you're doing, you can, you know, take a little bit of risk in round 14. Um, again, as I said, you've got the IR spots you can stash. 
But now you've got Triple J and Lonzo on. You're, gonna, you're filling it up already. Um, especially if Lonzo Ball is one of these really long-term carries. Um, again, you've got the space. If you need to drop him, you can drop him. No harm, no foul. But you have you do put yourself behind, you know, people who get people get really good players in his last two rounds. Um, Josh Giddy went last second last round last year, I think. Benedict Matherin's gone in this last, you know, round two picks after. My boy Kevin Herter <laughs> is gone. Um, so it's it's not as kind of a who gives a shit. Um, this is assuming Lonzo Ball doesn't take much of, of a part um, this season, though. Who knows? I'm, but it, it seems quite clear that um, it may be another lost one for Lonzo Ball, which is really upsetting um, moving forward. But we'll see. I want a little bit more of a um, firm timeline, and we're not getting that. Um, and there has been scenarios where you see on Twitter, oh, it's looking like shit, and then, oh, hang on a second, he's participating in three-on-threes and getting shots up. So you never know. You can hold out hope, but, um, yeah, it's, I, I don't think it's looking great. And looking towards the last pick, Alex Caruso. Maybe this is Lonzo Ball insurance <laughs> right here. It's like, I'm going to take the bet. But then, you know, he might miss, so let's add, add Caruso. He missed a lot of time last year, um, but he's back. Obviously, what he was looking at, um, bringing everything from the Lakers, um, but kind of steroizing it up a little bit. Um, makes it look really good in Chicago. The scoring's the issue because it's not like he, he doesn't score. He doesn't really shoot, um, especially when he's kind of playing this kind of point guard role where he's not, you know, getting around these screens and kind of being as like a, a, a coverage kind of corner guy where he'd get a couple of shots, you know, um, every stint he's on the court um, where he's kind of setting things up and the ball doesn't really come back to him in a way where he's super open for the shot. So it, it does feel like he, he feeds off the defense and he can, you know, he can get to the basket in fast breaks and he does have a little of a nifty game and getting to the line. But, you know, you do get long stints of him not scoring and then he's relied to do everything else that he does really, really well in terms of playing the passing lanes and getting the steals and the assists and, you know, a guy who really is happy to kind of smash the, the, the rebounds and, and crash and get in um, as a guard to kind of jump over people. So I like all of that. Um, but then, yeah, it depends on can he do it enough without the scoring and is he going to get the minutes at the point guard because there is dragage, there is AO, there's little you know things going there, even with the absence of Lonzo Ball, um, what his role is. and um, But, I mean, second last point, pick in the draft, so... Pretty pretty happy with all that shit going forward. So um, again, another team done. Bit bit quicker. <laughs> Hopefully, um, I wasn't rambling too much, and we all got it there. But I think you can kind of tell I'm pretty big on this team. I think there's a couple of teams that stand out to me, and maybe it's worth me kind of going at the end. Um, that I I think it's kind of coming together at least on on paper and and my feelings and. Again, I reckon we'll get four days in and my, my thoughts on a lot of players like everyone will change <laughs> quite quickly. But I think the work he's done um, up the top of the draft as well as kind of adding um, guys like Tariq Maxi and, and Fred Van Vliet, who I think are real value kind of guys for the rounds that he got him, has put it together. Um, but it's not without its its riskers. Some of the picks at the back end are, are more meh. And I do think that um, while I really like Caden Pirtle, as fantasy players, um, you've got them early enough that, you know, if for whatever reason, 
Cade can't get the consistency game, game where he's the, the man at pick 32, and Jakob Pertl's kind of role in every way, you know, gets muddied. Um, it can hurt you. I do think his best pick is Tyrese Maxey. Um, I do think his worst pick is maybe Will Barton. That's a bit of a cop-out. Um, if I'm going real hard, we'll make it Jakob Pertl. Um, wild card, I do think is John Collins. I really think he... It can either be middle, good, or shit. Um, definition of a bit of a wild card. And his sleeper, I think, is Gary Trent Jr., a guy that I really can get behind as a, an NBA player. But um, in this kind of Toronto team, what's the pathway for him to be to be better than we were last year? And he doesn't need to to pay off at 112. But if he can, there's where the sleeper kind of potential comes in. So, um yeah, hope everyone kind of get a kick out of that. Another review, one down um, for me, and then potentially another one for my team if it gets up done. But um, it's been great, and get a good night's sleep and get rested because NBA basketball is right around the corner. Lock in your teams already um, and get those team names changed if you haven't. Um, love you all. It's been a pleasure. See you soon.